I don't know if you guys saw this this weekend, but all over Twitter and really all over all social media, this was on Instagram as well, there was a phrase that was trending all weekend. And this phrase, it was in hashtag form and it was also just the phrase in and of itself. The phrase was mass formation psychosis and hashtag mass formation psychosis. And this this was trending on, on Twitter especially. And so I clicked on it, of course, and I, I knew the origin of it. I knew that it was an allegation of essentially mass brainwashing that it, that was made about COVID here in the United States, that people are brainwashed on a massive scale and that's why they're behaving the way that they're behaving, still in fear after two years. But first of all, those who got this trending are absolutely hysterical. This was the funniest thing. The funniest memes that I have ever seen came with mass formation psychosis. And in case you aren't familiar with exactly what it is, this is what I discovered. So Dr. Peter McCullough, who is the doctor that went wildly viral on Joe Rogan's podcast. I think it was actually that episode of Joe Rogan's podcast was the most viewed, most listened to episode ever in the history of the Joe Rogan experience, which is incredible. Dr. McCullough, of course, is what I would term as a skeptic, meaning he looks at every claim made by Dr. Fauci, made by the public health ilk, made by the World Health Organization, and he he questions it. He asks, is this true? Show me verifiable evidence. He looks at science. And so he went on Joe Rogan as a contrarian. I'm sure you saw this. I don't need to explain all of it to you. But on on the show, on this episode, McCullough talks to Rogan about mass formation psychosis because Rogan asked him, what is the explanation for so many millions and millions of the American people still accepting this tyranny from the government in the face, contradicting the science, contradicting empirical evidence, contradicting common sense. You know, we're talking about the Joy Reeds who go running double masked and double vaxxed. We're talking about the people who are low risk for fatality of COVID, who get COVID and then freak out and thank God for vaccines because they said that's why they didn't have a fatal case, even though They obviously didn't have a fatal case because they were young and otherwise healthy. We're talking about the people who basically say, thank you, may I have another, when the government takes away a freedom or a liberty, one of our inherent rights, instead of saying, well, is that really necessary? Does that actually help stop the spread of COVID-19? And moreover, does the government have the authority to do it? So Joe Rogan poses this question to McCullough. And McCullough says it's something he calls mass formation psychosis, which he defines as a process. Essentially, it's a process of indoctrination, right? It's essentially how propaganda works, a strategic form of propaganda. And he gives four elements for how mass formation psychosis is enacted. This is what he says. Actually, you know what? Listen to it for yourself. Take a listen to this. How did they organize something like this? And how do you get so many doctors to go along with this? How do you get so many doctors to not speak out against the lack of pre-hospitalization care, the lack of early treatment? We think there's about 500 doctors who knows what's going on in the United States. 500. 500. We got a million doctors in the United States. We got half a million nurse practitioners and physician assistants. I can tell you the nurses are more awake than the doctors. Why is that? The doctors appear to be like many of our leaders, by the way, all the leaders leaders of the major churches, every single one of them, the major religious branches are under the spell. Every major global international leader is under the spell. We're in what's called a mass formation psychosis. This is very important. I give credit to Dr. Matthias Desmet in the University of Ghent in Belgium. And recently, Dr. Mark McDonald, psychiatrist from LA. Mark McDonald's got a new book out, the United States of Fear, describing how the mass psychosis developed. What your listeners need to know is a mass psychosis is when there is a groupthink that develops that's so strong 
that it leads to something horrific. And the examples are these mass suicides that occur in these religious cults. The example is Nazi Germany, when people walk into gas chambers and were gassed. These horrific things. And, and four elements here is very important, Joe. First, there must be a period of prolonged isolation, lockdowns. Number two, there must be a, a, a withdrawal of things taken away from people that they used to enjoy. That's happened. Number three, there must be constant, incessant, free-floating anxiety. All this news cycle, all the, the deaths and the hospitalizations, more, more variant mutant strains, everything. People are becoming scared over and over again. And the last thing, number four, the capper. The capper is there must be a single solution offered by an entity in authority. And this case is clear. Worldwide, the solution was vaccination. Everybody must take the vaccination. It's not a U.S. program. It's not a European It's everywhere. Okay, so think about this. Think about these four elements. Prolonged isolation, what, two years of lockdowns? And even if it isn't lockdowns, it's this, this mental fear that grips people, that keeps them at their home, that keeps them away from their families at Christmas. Prolonged isolation, withdrawal of things taken from people that they used to enjoy, you know, like church or the playground for children or hugging your grandparents. Three, Constant, incessant, free-floating anxiety. This is probably the number one culprit for this is Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci is the one that's like, well, there's no scientific evidence that young people could die on a massive scale from COVID-19. This is a paraphrase, of course, being satirical. But, you know, you never know. So maybe maybe you should just put a plastic bag over your head just to make sure that nobody gets any air from you and you don't get any air from anybody else. This constant anxiety that has gripped people, especially, unfortunately, young people in our country. It's actually the people who are at the highest risk, the greatest generation, who are the least scared of COVID-19. It's the millennials who, remember, millennials are in their 30s and 40s now. It's millennials who are the most frightened of COVID-19, even though they have the least reason to be. And then, of course, a single solution offered by an entity and authority. This is what I talked about last week with this creation of a crisis when a political party, say the Democrats, create a crisis in order for them to present the solution, in order for them to say, I am your savior, I will save you if you just, I will give you security even, if you will just surrender your rights and your liberties to us, we will save the day, we will save the country, we will save democracy, we will save you from COVID-19. Whatever it is, they wanna be a savior. So the, this, this hypothesis of mass formation psychosis, this is obviously something, of course you're the victim of mass formation psychosis. Of course this is happening in our, in our country. It's not even a question. The most hilarious part of this, the reason that I'm laughing is because guess who is contesting this? Guess who is telling you, no, no, there's no mass formation psychosis. There's no such thing as mass formation psychosis. That's made up. That's not real. Guess who is trying to tell you that this doesn't exist? I'm gonna tell you in just a second. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Okay, so this mass formation psychosis, Dr. McCullough posits, and it's reasonable, right? It looks like a strategy of indoctrination. It is the tactics that someone or something, an entity would use to brainwash someone if they want. It's, it's the propaganda that's used to brainwash someone. Yet on Twitter, so those of you who are on Twitter, you're familiar with Twitter moments. Twitter moments are essentially Twitter being an editor. It's Twitter not just allowing other people to have a platform and other people to say what they wanna say and the merits of what you say to determine the popularity of your tweet. It's Twitter jumping in the fray and pretending to be a fact checker, pretending to be the arbiter of truth. They are acting not as a platform, 
They are acting as a publisher, and this is how they act in their editorial capacity. They create what's called a moment in the trending topics, which explains to you why something is trending. It's so condescending. It's so ridiculous. So Twitter created a moment about mass formation psychosis because, of course, it was trending organically, and they couldn't avoid it. And this is what it says. Twitter says, quote, there's no evidence of pandemic mass formation psychosis according to Reuters and the Associated Press. As I said, you can't make this up because Reuters and the Associated Press, of course, were purveyors of the fear and the panic and the misinformation and the neglect to talk about early treatment and therapeutics, all of this, all of Dr. Fauci's talking points, they were early purveyors of exactly what caused people to be as fearful as they are. So this is then what they say. Mass formation psychosis, Twitter says, is not an academic term recognized in the field of psychology, nor is there evidence of any such phenomenon occurring during the COVID-19 pandemic. Multiple experts in crowd psychology have told Reuters and the Associated Press. Okay, okay. So first of all, it's hilarious that Twitter is now using an academic term as the benchmark for whether something's true or false. Because if you look in psychological textbooks, guess what exists as an academic term in psychological textbooks? Gender dysphoria as a mental illness and an actual definition of a biological man and an actual definition of a biological woman. Gender dysphoria exists in academic textbooks. It is an academic term to describe a certain psychological or psychiatric condition. Yet, if we post that on Twitter, I mean, this happened to Matt Walsh just late last week, I think on Friday, on Thursday or Friday, Matt Walsh was suspended for 12 hours, which means it's either the first strike or the second strike in his journey towards Twitter banning him altogether. They suspended him for 12 hours because he posted a tweet that essentially said men are men and women are women and you can't be, a, you can't identify, you can't, you aren't a woman if you are a man simply identifying as a woman. He was just stating basic biology. They made him delete the tweet before he could come back. Yet, by their standards, the standards they're using for this moment, an academic term, what Matt Walsh said was entirely biologically, academically correct. So first of all, it's, it's hilarious, ironic, and a complete double standard, as you know. It's not even a double standard, it's hierarchical. It's an elitist move. They're, they're disallowing, they're prohibiting Matt Walsh or you or I or anybody else who wants to talk basic biology. They're prohibiting us, the sorry people, from speaking in a certain way, from talking about facts that come from academia, that come from medicine, that come from psychology or you know any kind, any, any related field. Yet they, they're allowed to, the rules don't apply to them because they're the arbiters of what we can do. So again, it's not hypocrisy, it's hierarchy. It's elitism. So they say mass formation psychosis is not an academic term recognized in the field of psychology, nor is there evidence of any such phenomenon occurring during the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, do I have evidence for you? Do I have evidence for Twitter today? The funniest, absolute most hilarious, and I say this actually with a little sadness, even though there's a smile on my face because you can't get past how funny this is. I say this with a little sadness because this is a real person. A real person posted a tweet thread 25 tweets all attached to each other. I mean, this is longer than a journal entry. This is longer than a published article. This is like an expose published. This is a doctor too, a doctor who is the chair of the Department of Medicine at UC San Francisco, UCSF. This is a high ranking dude, in other words. This is a person that's supposedly in a position of authority, a position of knowledge, a position of influence. And you will not believe what this individual tweeted about his son. 
All right, so I want to read this. His name is Bob Watcher, for anybody who's interested in looking this thread up himself. Bob Watcher, spelled W-A-C-H-T-E-R. His handle is Bob underscore Watcher. Now, be nice to this guy, of course. I mean, you can call out his factual inaccuracies, but be nice because clearly he's suffering from mass formation psychosis. This is what he says. He says, I've been tweeting about COVID for nearly two years, but this week... It became personal when my 28-year-old younger son got it. With his permission, I'll describe his experience and how I approached his situation, given the realities of life and the rapidly changing evidence. Again, one tweet out of 25. My son, who lives in San Francisco, is generally healthy but overweight. You know my opinion on this. That's a contradiction, but whatever. Placing him in a moderately high-risk group. Okay, at least he acknowledges that. He's been quite careful since March of 2020 and has received three Modernas. Okay to each his own. He used to wear a two-ply cloth mask. Since Omicron, he switched to a K95 with my encouragement. Well, that's not the best advice you've ever given, but be that as it may. Dr. Watcher goes on to say, he works in downtown San Francisco in customer service, so he has a lot of people contact. I've worried that he'd get it from work or from the bus. Interesting, though, studies show that mass transportation is not a place where COVID-19 is passed frequently, especially the bus, whatever. But that's not how it happened. Instead, one of the few friends he sometimes sees in person, another fully vaxxed young person who has also been quite careful, came over Monday night to watch a movie. She felt fine, as did he. First of all, can we just recognize how sad this is that it is January of 2022, and since March of 2020, he has only associated with a few friends who he sometimes sees in person. So if you're wondering about those headlines about mental health crises in young people, this spate of suicides, I mean, this is why. It's because our public health establishment has told young people that not to look at other people as people, but to look at other people as pathogens, as a danger to yourself. This will mess with your head. This is not normal behavior, whatever. We're gonna, we're gonna go on to the next tweet in just a second, but first I wanna talk to you about Headspace. Now, this, this individual, Dr. Watcher, needs to hear this. I don't know who else needs to hear this. Maybe we need to hear this when we're listening to people like Dr. Watcher, but here you go. You deserve to feel better than you do today, and you can with Headspace. Headspace makes meditation simple. If mental health is part of your self-care plan this year, and it should be, you owe it to yourself to try Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of relaxation in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Isn't that great? I love using my phone for this kind of stuff. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute meditation for you. If you need some help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace has even, more, even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach reduces stress, improves sleep, boosts focus, and increases your overall sense of well-being. You deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash Liz. That's headspace.com slash Liz for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditation for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So go right now to headspace.com slash Liz. Okay. So Dr. Bob Watcher says his son had a girl, has had his girlfriend or something over. They watched a movie. She felt fine, as did he. Wednesday a.m., about 36 hours later, this is a quote now, he woke up and felt awful. Sore throat, dry cough, muscle aches, chills, no taste, smell, ab he had no taste and smell abnormalities. I told him to stay home, drink fluids, and take Tylenol or Advil. Local pharmacies were all out of rapid tests, but I had one set stashed away, Dr. Watcher said. He came outside, I wore an N95, and we ran it with a nasal swab. It was negative. I was a little reassured, he said, though he was not. Dad, he said, it feels like, it feels just like I felt after my first vaccine. 
So let's just pause for a second. This is an individual who I don't know how overweight he is, so I don't know his exact risk category. But imagine taking a vaccine that made you feel exactly like the disease itself and the vaccine didn't prevent you from getting that disease. Mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Dr. Watcher goes on, he seems sick enough to be infectious. I wondered if he'd be an example of the newly reported problems with false negative rapid tests in the first days of an Omicron infection. That is a real thing, by the way. He called the UCFS or UCSF Hospital's COVID hotline. He's a patient to get a PCR or color test. The first available was four days away, so no help. I heated up some chicken soup, brought an oximeter, 97% woo, though his heart rate was 120, concerning, probably from being overweight, and told him to call me if his symptoms changed or his O2 sat fell below 95%. The next day, I called him at 9 a.m., no answer. My brain... Dr. Bob Watcher says, knows the odds of a fully vaxxed young person dying are near zero. Still, I wondered briefly if he had survived the night. Evidence-based medicine meets parental emotion. I tried again at 10, still no answer. Okay, so let's pause for just a second here because we're talking mass formation psychosis. If he recognizes this contradiction between evidence-based medicine and parental emotion, did you feel the same kind of paralyzing fear the last time your son had the flu? The last time he had a cold? The last time he had just an influenza-like illness, a nasty virus, a bug, a fever, did you even know? Did your son even tell you? Because there's a reason that you feel this, it's not just parental emotion, actually. You've, you've, mis, you've mislabeled that. It's not parental emotion. What you're feeling is the effects of two years of propaganda. Now think about those four elements that Dr. McCullough talked about, of isolation, of free-floating anxiety, of rights and freedoms that you enjoy being taken away, and of an entity and authority telling you that there is just one solution, a vaccine. All he's focused on here is the vaccine, is the vaccine. And it, it gets even worse, okay? So he said, I let myself into his place and found him sleeping. Yeah, every 28-year-old man's dream, right? Your parents just watching you sleep, coming into your house, watching you sleep. I found him sleeping and breathing. An hour or so later, he heard from the friend he saw Monday PM. She had tested positive. Of course, that increased my son's odds of having COVID, but still the incubation time of under two days seemed awfully short. It was time for another rapid test. This time, based on early reports that swabbing throat plus nose improves yield for Omicron versus the nose alone, that's what we did. A good rub around his tonsils and tongue and then same swab, a bit gross, both nostrils. Super gross. Whatever, it's gross to swab anything. That's not his fault. A lot to criticize, maybe not that. The 15-minute wait, he said, and then the pink line, he was positive. Make it sound like a pregnancy experience here. Like millions of other young people, my son had COVID. I felt a strange guilt, not entirely rational, but real for not having protected him. Again, let's pause. Not entirely rational. This man acknowledges that what he's feeling is irrational, and yet he's presenting it as if it's something to be proud of. He's presenting it as if it was this traumatic experience instead of just, I mean, this is a non-experience. This is a non-experience, what he's going through. And it, it, it concludes that way as well. But having protected him from what? from getting a cold? Did you feel guilty every time your child has a cold? My daughter has a cold right now. And it's, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night because she's sick, but I don't feel guilty for not protecting her. That's how, that's how viruses, that's how colds work. People get sick. That's life. But the mass formation psychosis, Reuters tells us, isn't real. Well, what do you call this then? We canceled the PCR test, he writes, now three days away since the diagnosis seemed secure. So one more case omitted from the public numbers, which makes skyrocketing case counts even more amazing. Yes, but this kind of case that your son has, it doesn't matter. It's, it's representative of what the normality of COVID is right now. We don't need the government to be keeping track of this because it's, it's nothing. 
It's nothing, as we will see. He called in sick to, sick to work, et cetera, et cetera. Dr. Watcher said, I set out to figure out if his prog- or his prognosis and if treatment was merited. I knew deep down that the odds of a bad case were low, but when it's your kid, you freak out a bit. Regarding the prognosis, youth helps compared to his 64-year-old dad. He has a one-fourth chance of hospitalization risk and a one-twenty-fifth the death risk. And an online risk calculator. Guys, after I read this thread, I clicked on this just because I can't believe this exists. This is funny, and I actually ran it on myself. An online risk calculator, which doesn't consider the vaccine or Omicron, but does consider age and risk factors, calculated the risk of hospitalization at 2.3%. Okay, so this is what's really interesting here is um, I ran this and it's hilarious. I ran it on myself because I had COVID and I recovered just fine. Obviously, I'm sitting here to tell the story, to tell the trauma and the experience. And they told me that my risk factor was low risk, but 4%. This guy who's supposedly 28 and fat, I am 32 and not fat, his risk factor was 2.3% and my risk factor was 4%. Okay, okay then. Anyway, it's to me, it's hilarious that someone even built this. They're probably getting a billion clicks on this website. Pointless. Whatever. He said, I figured that his three time, his his triple vax status cuts that by 80% and Omicron's mildness by another 50%. So maybe a one in 300 chance of needing hospitalization. If that, whatever. There are four main treatment options, he says, for a symptomatic outpatient. One, monoclonal antibodies. But the only one that works against Omicron, I'm assuming is Omicron because it's now dominant in the US, um, is... Sotravidumab. I'm not even sure how to pronounce that one, but we all know that the original one, Regeneron, does not does not work anymore. It's exceptionally short in supply. Biden, hello, exceptionally short in supply. Last week, UCSF had none in stock, so that's out. My favorite, the Pfizer pill Paxlovid, which, you know, the chance of hospitalization, cuts the chance of hospitalization by 90%. This is according to this guy, by the way. My opinion on this is very different if you look at the studies from Pfizer. That's a conversation for a different day. It's also hard to find. So at UCSF, he says, we'll only use it in severely immunocompromised folks. The third choice is remdesivir, an IV drug that we've long used in the hospital, but recently shown to cut hospital and death rates by 87% in high-risk patients. That is just the biggest load of BS that I have ever heard. Remdesivir is literal. Oh, by the way, Emily, this is the part that you're going to have to censor on YouTube, because if I say this on YouTube, even though it is empirically proven, it is scientifically shown, studies have concluded what I am about to say, YouTube will kick me off. Remdesivir is poison. It doesn't work. The studies that claim to show it works were fixed by Fauci because Fauci is financially invested in remdesivir. But remdesivir is poison and it does nothing, nothing to help COVID patients. In fact, Fauci knew about that before he started recommending it for COVID. He's, he's been looking looking for a disease to apply remdesivir to so that he can financially profit. The last time he tried to use remdesivir for something, it didn't work, so he saved it. He saved it. And now with COVID, well, people weren't asking questions, so there you go. But this doctor, the chair of the Department of Medicine at UC San Francisco, would tried, would have given this to his son. Blows your mind. Blows your mind. He said, because it's an IV, it's also limited to patients at much higher risk than my son. Finally, Merck's new pill, um, which has an extremely long name. It's like Paxlovid. It's a five-day pill. By the way, the studies, the preliminary studies on that pill show that it comes with tremendous birth defect risks. I'll be interested to hear more studies about that, more investigation, more intellectual curiosity, more journalism about that. Somehow, I doubt we're going to see any of that because this is a pill that could profit Pfizer and profit Fauci. 
whatever. So this is what he says, okay? So these are the four, the only four treatment options he talks about. He doesn't talk about repurposing any pre-existing antiviral drugs. He doesn't talk about diet. He doesn't talk about sugar. He doesn't talk about vitamin D. He doesn't talk about vitamin C. He doesn't talk about zinc. Nothing. Nothing. Just these four things. Good thing. Fortunately, his son was at low-ish risk. So he goes on to say, we're almost done here. He says, I called his doc who noted that the pills have benefit when used before day five. I'd err on not treating, he said wisely, but might reconsider if things worsened in the next couple days. It's now day four, pulse ox is fine, heart rate is slowed. He's a bit less fluish, but his throat still hurts like hell. Okay, well, when five days are up, we'll do another rapid test if I can find one. If negative, he'll leave isolation and where, by the way, he'll leave isolation after five days. Why? Because Fauci arbitrarily changed the number of days that you're supposed to isolate in quarantine after you test positive for COVID arbitrarily because the whole two weeks quarantine or 10 days quarantine or nine days quarantine, now five, it's all arbitrary. It's completely arbitrary. It's not based on any science. So he'll leave isolation after five days and wear a KN95. If positive, he'll stay isolated until it's negative or day 10, he'll still mask for five more. And that we hope will be that. Am I worried about long COVID? He said a little. The literature is a mess. Some studies show 50% of people have persistent, greater than one month symptoms. Other studies say it's more like 5%. Imagine suggesting that 50% of people have long COVID. I mean, when you have a cough with any virus, it lasts weeks. That's not long COVID. That's simply a persistent cough that eventually goes away. This guy, again, mass formation psychosis, the demonstration. He said, it seems like vax lowers the risk. So it's a concern, but there's not much more we can do but wait and see. Any lessons? First, thank God for vaccines. Yes, he had COVID, but his vax slashed the odds of a severe case, hospitalization, and death. He was young. It was Omicron. What, slashing what? Were you gonna slash this much? You're gonna slash something that's this, this much of a chance? Mass formation psychosis. Second, concerns regarding false negative rapid tests and Omicron are real. Yeah, that's true. As are shortages of tests and medication. Yes, but the thing is he didn't need to be tested because there's no early treatment that's done. There's no point in testing if you have a cold. There's no point in testing if you have COVID if you're not going to get treatment for it. If you're not going to get treatment until you go to the hospital for breathing difficulties, why even why even bother to test? Why do we need these numbers? Case numbers are completely arbitrary. They're just used by the government for mass formation psychosis because it's scary sounding, the more people that are getting it. Then he goes, Omicron's lesson, lower your guard and it'll pounce. Dude, sir, to be respectful, it doesn't matter your behavior. A virus is gonna virus. There's nothing we can do to stop endemic viruses. Nothing. That's what it means when something's an endemic virus. It means it circulates. You can't just stop it. It doesn't happen. He said, should he have watched movies with his friend? I think so. It seemed like a fairly safe encounter. But while Omicron is surging, even low risk stuff, things that were safe last month may now be risky. Given how quickly the storm may pass, it seems wise to hunker down a bit. This is the kind of thing that encourages the mental health crisis that we are going to be dealing with generationally. He goes, my son should do okay, but the illness and anxiety it causes are miserable. Resigning ourselves to getting Omicron doesn't seem right, especially since the surge may be short-lived. I think, I still think it's an experience best avoided for you and your loved ones if you can. 25 tweets that was, 25 tweets. What's the moral of this story? His son was fine. His son got COVID. 
He didn't take anything for COVID. He wasn't at risk for a serious case of COVID, hospitalization or death. And he turned out fine. And his dad, by the way, his dad is paranoid. His dad obviously suffers. This, ladies and gentlemen, is mass formation psychosis in the flesh. This is what Dr. McCullough was talking about. This is, this is what it is. This is what Reuters and the Associated Press claims doesn't exist. There is no academic term, no recognized academic term for mass formation psychosis. And experts, they say, tell us that this is not the case. The problem is, the reason that, this, that I even saw this tweet thread is because it went viral. Because a lot of people think the way that this wackadoodle thinks, that this paranoid wackadoodle thinks. This paranoid wackadoodle who is the, the chair at the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. If that's not mass formation psychosis, then what is? The reason for this, by the way, the reason so many people, the reason this was trending, I should say, is because people recognize this. We're not idiots. The American people aren't idiots. There are a lot of people who have been duped by the radical left and who have allowed themselves to be indoctrinated and then brainwashed from that indoctrination by these public health officials and politicians and mainstream media outlets who repeatedly lied to them. But every day, there's a growing number of people who say, wait a second, what we're hearing from the CDC doesn't match the science. What we're hearing from Dr. Fauci and from CNN contradicts our experience, our personal experience, and the experience of all of our friends. Something is wrong. The reason that there is distrust in institutions in our country is because these institutions have betrayed our trust. They've betrayed our trust completely. For example, I thought that this was a story from the Babylon Bee when I first saw it. This is real. Dr. Fauci, during the past two years, during this COVID pandemic has done the most outrageous thing that you could possibly imagine. We're gonna talk about it in a second, but first I wanna talk to you about American Hartford Gold. Now I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed everything in our country is getting expensive. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years. Inflation is seemingly here to stay. And if the government continues its out of control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market into a precious metals IRA, and they make it easy. That's the good news. They are the highest-rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order, so don't wait. Call them now. Call 855-768-1883. That's 855-768-1883. Or text Liz to 65532. Again, that's 855-768-1883. Or text Liz, L-I-Z, to 65532. So Dr. Fauci, over the past two years, during coronavirus, if you will, during the, the COVID outbreak, I hesitate even more to, anymore to call it a pandemic because I'm not sure that's what it is. If there's a pandemic of anything, it's a pandemic of mass formation psychosis, and I stand by that. But Dr. Fauci, while you have lost your business because the government forced it to shut down, what did we have, like 40% of restaurants in California had to close permanently after the California government didn't allow them to operate. They shut down, they just unilaterally shut down, dictated that restaurant owners close their businesses. So while you lost your business permanently, your livelihood and your life savings were drained, you lost your job 
because of social distancing, because the economy has tanked under these orders, these dictates, guess what Dr. Fauci did with your tax money? $205,000 of your taxpayer money, Dr. Fauci spent studying transgender monkeys. Yep, not kidding. Transgender monkeys. Dr. Fauci took male monkeys, he injected them with transgender hormones intentionally, it was estrogen, I believe, in order to see why transgender women, now transgender women by Fauci's definition are biological males who have transitioned, they identify as women. So that's why he was taking a male monkey and injecting him with female hormones to make him a transgender woman monkey. To see why transgender women have a higher rate of the HIV virus. He created transgender monkeys with your tax money. And you want, by the way, again, I can't, I can't stress this enough. He did this. Not only is this a nutty thing to do, but he did this while you were not getting a paycheck, while you were not allowed to work, while your business was shut down. This is what Dr. Fauci did. And so you wonder why the American people have lost faith in our governmental institutions, why something like mass formation psychosis trends on Twitter because people hear it and they go, yes, that's what's happening. That's what our government is doing to us. That's why people feel this way. The CDC director, Walensky, Rochelle Walensky, made a statement on television earlier this summer. And the statement she made was the exact same statement that got Alex Berenson, the author of Pandemia, the author of the law, the truth about the lockdown or the unreported truths about the lockdown book series, the same statement that got Alex Berenson permanently banned from Twitter, Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, said herself, she admitted that he was right because she repeated exactly what he said. What he said, he said the vaccine, again, perhaps we'll have to, perhaps we'll have to censor this on YouTube because I'm saying it instead of Rochelle Walensky. So actually, you know what? Let's let Rochelle Walensky say it for herself. This is what she said, take a listen. Our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death, they prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So if you're going home to somebody who has not been vaccinated, to somebody who can't get vaccinated, somebody who might be immunosuppressed or a little bit fail, uh, frail, somebody who has um, uh, comorbidities that put them at high risk, I would suggest you wear a mask in public indoor settings. She could not have been clearer. What it can't do, what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. Alex Berenson was suspended from Twitter because he compared them to a therapeutic. Why? He compared them to a therapeutic because he said they cannot stop transmission. This is why the American people feel that they've been duped. Because the people running our country, as Ben Dominich tweeted yesterday, and this was an apt time to tweet this, or two days ago, Consider the idea that we are led by idiots. Consider the idea that we are led by idiots. In Utah, if you list your ethnicity as Latinx, guess what benefits that will bring you? We're gonna talk about that in just a second, but first I wanna talk to you about Soul. Today's episode is brought to you by Soul. Soul is the sustainable orthopedic footwear company that seeks to enhance your mobility and improve your foot health to keep you in the game longer by building shoes from the inside out. So first of all, 
Did you know that 85% of the population will have one or more foot-related ailments in their lifetime? A lot of these, well, admittedly unsexy ailments can be helped with a footbed. Well, Soul defines their signature footbed as a great place to rest your soul. Yes, funny, very punny. It's also affordable, it's customizable, and it improves people's everyday foot comfort. Millions of customers rave about this product, and two-thirds of Soul customers have two or more pairs of footbeds. Once you know the comfort, pain relief, performance enhancement and injury prevention benefits of Soul footbeds, you will want them in every shoe you own. Soul has an amazing offer for first-time customers, 50% off if you use my URL, yoursoul.com slash Liz, yoursoule.com slash Liz, so you can try Soul for yourself. They're so confident that you will love them that they also offer a 90-day money-back guarantee. This special offer via my link, yoursoul.com slash Liz, works on everything on the Soul store, whether it's footbeds or footwear. Highly recommend checking it out, yoursoul.com com slash Liz. So in the state of Utah, if you mark down that you have Latinx ethnicity, now remember, people who are Latino do not like Pull's show. People who are Latino do not like being referred to as Latinx. They like being referred to as Latino or Latina, depending on their gender. But the white liberals who dictate the terms of wokeness and political correctness, they have told Latina, Latinos, that they must be called Latinx, whatever. In Utah, Latinx ethnicity actually counts for more points towards your eligibility for monoclonal antibodies than an actual health condition, because obviously your ethnicity is not a health condition, it is your ethnicity. But if you have congestive heart failure, you get fewer points towards eligibility for monoclonal antibodies than if you are Latino. Because... Apparently, now our government-run healthcare system, or the area of our healthcare system that is now run by the government, is racist. This is abject racism. In Minnesota, if you are 18 years old and your skin is black, you will be eligible for monoclonal antibodies before a 64-year-old who has white skin. That, my friends, is racism. And this racism that is being administered by the states did not come from each of these states. This is an FDA-endorsed, meaning the Biden administration, the FDA is an agency of the executive branch of the government, the chief executive is Joe Biden, the Biden administration's FDA actually gave the guidelines for how these states should be racist while doling out rationed monoclonal antibodies. Now remember, the reason that there is a shortage of monoclonal antibodies is because Dr. Fauci won't focus on it. The federal government, meaning Joe Biden, has seized control of monoclonal antibodies and they are rationing the monoclonal antibodies. So if you can't get it, it's Biden's fault. And if you can't get it, it's not only Biden's fault because he seized control and is rationing it. He then said that you are eligible based on what you look like and the color of your skin, not based on your health or your age or any other characteristic that actually is a risk factor for the severity of COVID-19. This is why the American people feel that they have been duped, feel that they are being controlled, feel that they have been made fools of because they have. This is how government is treating the American people. It's shocking, isn't it? And make no mistake, this collusion between big government, big pharma, and big media 
to propagate this strategy, these four elements of mass formation psychosis, it leaves no one untouched. Last week on Friday, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments over Biden's OSHA vaccine mandate. And the justices, these nine justices, who, by the way, announced before the hearing that they'd not only all been vaccinated, they'd all been boosted, seems a very odd coincidence that they would make this announcement right before they were hearing oral arguments over a mandate over the vaccine. Maybe they're a little biased. I don't know. Even these jurists, who are supposed to be some of the most brilliant, logical minds in our entire nation, have been duped by the fear, the mass formation psychosis. Sotomayor, particularly, she didn't even attend in person. She attended via the phone from her chambers because she has diabetes and she's afraid of COVID, even though she's been double vaxxed, now triple vaxxed because of the booster. She said that there were 100,000 children. She's obviously in favor of this vaccine mandate. She thinks everyone should be forced to get it. And she doesn't care that the federal government has no authority, no constitutional right to force people to do this. She doesn't care. Her argument is that 100,000 children have been hospitalized, are hospitalized currently actually, which is worse, from COVID-19. This is not even close to true. This is like a CNN level lie. The truth of the matter is there are about 3,500 children across the entire country who are hospitalized. Most of these children, of course, most of these children have other comorbidities. They're not just your healthy child running around the playground, struck down by COVID-19 and hospitalized. No, most of these children are sick children to begin with. But she used this fake news, this absolutely wildly false statistic to bolster her obviously preconceived notion about whether Joe Biden's vaccine mandate should be upheld or overturned. I mean, the only question, by the way, it actually doesn't matter. Whether it's a wise decision or not to get the vaccine is irrelevant. Whether the vaccine is effective or not is irrelevant. How many people, the case number of COVID-19 across the country is irrelevant. The only question that these justices should have been evaluating is, does the Biden administration via an executive agency, OSHA, have the authority via an emergency temporary standard, the ETS, to issue a mandate, a dictate that forces private employers across the country to force their employees to get vaccinated or else lose their job? Is that legal? Is that constitutional? Does the Biden administration's executive branch have the authority to do that? That's the only question that should have been evaluated. Instead, Sotomayor tells us 100,000 kids are in the hospital. False. Breyer says there's 750 million new cases of COVID in the United States today. By the way, do the math there. If there are 350 million Americans and there's 750 million new cases this week alone, then that would mean every single person in our country would have to have two diagnoses, two positives, two cases of COVID just that day alone. So nuts. We were told that hospitals, we were told by the justices that hospitals are at full capacity. That's not even kind of true. Even ICUs aren't at full capacity. The liberal justices said that Omicron is as deadly as Delta. Again, not even kind of true. The liberal justices said that vaccinated people do not transmit the virus. It's only the unvaccinated people. Therefore, the unvaccinated must be protected from themselves and from other unvaccinated people. The point of this is that the Supreme Court justices of the United States of America are also victims of mass formation psychosis. They obviously watch CNN. They obviously listen to the mainstream media. They obviously take as law, as gospel, what Fauci says. 
And the AP and Reuters claim that this is fake news. The lesson here, my friends, the lesson here, ladies and gentlemen, is do not give the government power. Do not allow the government to have the power to do this. You and I, the American people, we must abolish the administrative state. I know that doesn't sound sexy. I know I talk about it all the time, and I am not going to stop talking about it until it happens. Because we, the American people, are not going to stop facing these constitutional crises. Government officials and unelected bureaucrats trying to violate our inherent rights and constitutionally protected liberties until we take away the power, not the authority, the power for them to do so. Their power lies in the administrative state. This idea that Congress does not actually legislate laws anymore. They legislate vague ideas and then they defer to these executive agencies populated by unelected bureaucrats appointed by partisan presidents. And these unelected partisan bureaucrats make the rules and they're unaccountable to you and to me. This used to, in constitutional jurisprudence, this used to be a violation of the separation of powers doctrine. And yet in the 1960s, our Supreme Court stopped enforcing the separation of powers doctrine and thus the administrative state, which was the brainchild of Woodrow Wilson. It was ushered into being by FDR and LBJ. It was born. This is what we're facing today. Until we abolish the administrative state, we will be playing whack-a-mole. If it's not Fauci, it'll be someone else. If it's not COVID, it'll be some other emergency. If it's not a violation of our religious liberty, it'll be a violation of our free speech. If it's not a violation of our ability to go to the marketplace and operate a business, it'll be a violation of our parental rights. You name it, it will happen until we abolish the administrative state. That is the lesson here. Big pharma colluding with big government, colluding with big media. Abolish the administrative state. Abolish the administrative state. If you want details, more details, more research, more evidence, more proof about how big government with the administrative state, helmed by Dr. Fauci, colluded with big pharma, the Pfizer billionaires, the Moderna failures until this vaccine, who colluded with big media, CNN and MSNBC and the Associated Press and the New York Times and the Washington Post, to propagate these false talking points that profit big pharma and Fauci and big government and Biden because he wants the power, not the money, to control us. Well, then read The Real Dr. Fauci by Robert Kennedy Jr. It's a fascinating book. I'm about halfway through. I highly recommend. And listen, when you look for sources of information that are credible, listen to those of us who have been right from the beginning of this pandemic. Those of us who have looked at the science, who have analyzed the facts, who have critically thought, who have been skeptical of people who provide just one solution, who have refused to fall prey to mass formation psychosis. Because make no mistake, those propagating mass formation psychosis have us all in their crosshairs and it's up to us to stop them. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.